Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast where Mary Kay Cabot answers uh, football insider questions uh, texted to us through our tech subscription service. Of course, I'll tell you about that in a little bit, but we cover uh, some Deshaun Watson topics. Should the Browns acquire Jimmy Garoppolo if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the year? course we get into that we missed our jimmy garoppolo talks uh so we get into that we get into some stadium talk and then we get into some contract extension talk uh in the second half of the pod now like i said these came from our football insider subscribers those subscribers get texts from us and are able to text us back they get a newsletter delivered to their inbox every day and they have access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash brown so if you want to get involved go to cleveland.com slash browns click the blue banner at the top of the page get info and get signed up all right here we go our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Tuesday edition, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Our Football Insider subscribers sending us in questions. And let's start here, Mary Kay. This is an interesting one uh, from Dave in Cleveland. Uh, apparently, Terry Pluto brought this up. He was talking about maybe trading for Jimmy Garoppolo if Deshaun Watson gets a really long suspension. So Dave wants to know, hey, Mary Kay, if Deshaun Watson gets a really long suspension, should the Browns look into acquiring Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, if Deshaun is out for a full year, I do think they have to go back to the drawing board and sort of reevaluate everything. Uh, Really take a good long look at what they have and what they hope to accomplish and decide if they need to upgrade from Jacoby Brissett for the year or if they're comfortable with what they've seen in OTAs and minicamp. Now, I do know that when they were contemplating veteran quarterbacks uh, and ultimately obviously arrived on the trade for Deshaun Watson, that Jimmy Garoppolo was not on their radar. He was not someone that they felt was an upgrade over Baker Mayfield, or certainly not enough of an upgrade over Baker Mayfield. So back in March, whatever, when they were looking at doing something like this, Jimmy was not in the discussion. But once again, when Baker Mayfield now is no longer an option, and if Deshaun Watson is out for a year, perhaps they do look at it. I haven't heard that they will. um, But at that point, I think uh, anything goes, anything goes. And, uh, you know, I think you, you would have to look at everything uh, because the question at that point becomes not is Jimmy Garoppolo an upgrade over Baker Mayfield, but is he an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett? And that's what they would have to decide. The other factor in all of this 
is the fact that he has a 25 point, like $5 million contract uh, for this coming season. And that is uh, depending on what happens with Baker Mayfield, you're not going to keep Baker Mayfield's contract and then add a Jimmy Garoppolo as well. This would come down to somehow you were able to unload Baker Mayfield and then you decide uh, that you could do something like that. But I'm going to, for right now, I'm going to say probably still pretty highly unlikely uh, considering he was not on the radar in March. I, I guess the other part of it too is what would it cost to get, I don't know what San Francisco is looking for in, in return for Jimmy Garoppolo. If they're looking for like a high pick, which the Browns don't really have much of, and I'm sure they don't want to give up like their second rounders and, and third rounders and kind of based on where their draft is at right now. But also like, does San Francisco want Baker Mayfield? How do like, there, there's a lot of moving parts there than, than just saying, yeah, go get Jimmy Garoppolo. But it does sort of speak to this idea of if they're not, if they end up not having Deshaun Watson for the year, you can't just sit back and let this year be a lost year. No, because the reason why obviously they went out and did this in the first place is because they have a roster that's ready to win. They have guys that came here just to play with a guy like Deshaun Watson. We're talking about guys like Jadavian Clowney. Guys like Amari Cooper, who may have had some inkling that they were going to upgrade at quarterback uh, when they actually made that trade as well. Uh, you've got guys like Miles Garrett, who have set the bar so hard high at the Super Bowl. Uh, so you don't have a bunch of guys that are going to want to have inferior quarterback play. I'm not saying that that is Jacoby Brissett, but they really have to look at it and evaluate it and try to determine if, uh, if they are going to need an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett for a full year. Nobody wants to to have this year, this season be a waste like last year was nobody wants that. Uh, so I do think that they, you know, that they might have to at least explore anything they possibly can if he's out for the entire season. Uh, now in terms of the compensation for the 49ers, if the, if it's the last season for Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think it is the last season for Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, then you can't really expect too much in return in terms of draft pick compensation. Nobody's going to give you a high pick uh, for somebody that isn't going to be around long. Uh, so that would factor into it as well. Um, but certainly if the Browns determined that that were the way to go, they could work something out uh, just the same way that the Panthers and the Browns can work something out for Baker Mayfield if they get motivated enough. Yeah, so... Uh, I, I guess when, we, when it comes to Baker Mayfield, when does that motivation turn into like desperation for the Browns or even the Panthers? I mean, because we're, we're OK, so we're at this point now we're recording this on, on Monday. It's June 20th. We're a little over a month from training camps opening. Everybody kind of goes away for a little while this time of year. You know, a lot of GMs and coaches. This is kind of their chance to get away kind of early July leading up to training camp. But when does uh, when does Andrew Barry, whether he's sitting on the beach or wherever he is, send a text over to is it Scott Fitterer in Carolina? I can't remember who yeah, the GM there is. That's uh, Scott Fitterer. When does he send a text and say, "Hey, we got to get this done"? Well, I'll tell you what. I don't think it's the Browns that have the sense of urgency. I think it's the Panthers that have to have the sense of urgency because they are the football team that needs to get that playbook in Baker Mayfield's hand and they need to get him working with his receivers and trying to figure you know, out how he's going to acclimate to their whole program, their system, their scheme, their players. So I don't think the onus is on the Cleveland Browns to pick up that phone and make sure they get that done. If the Carolina Panthers determine 
that Baker Mayfield is an upgrade for them over Sam Darnold. And they really want to do this trade and really want to try to make a better effort to contend this season. They are the ones that need to get off the schneid and get motivated and make that phone call and try to figure out what they can do to get Baker there. Yeah, because, I mean, if they made that trade, like, say, this week, he could maybe get together with his receiver somewhere. Um, they, they'd have some time to, to work, you know, away from the facility, obviously. They'd have some time to maybe get together and work and go through the playbook, like you were saying, and all that. So, I mean, it would be really hard for Baker to show up the week of training camp and hit the ground running and be the starting quarterback like week one. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it really would. And that's why, you know, they, they wanted to have him in by minicamp if they could. I mean, minicamp is, is pretty important for some teams. Now, the Browns didn't do a ton of on-field work during minicamp, but still just to get him in there, to know the building, to know your coaches, to get your playbook, to start talking about things that you can work on in the offseason. Uh, I, I think there should be a sense of urgency on their part. And I don't know what Sam Darnold looked like for them in, uh, you know, in their mini camp and in their OTA. And if they feel good about it, or if they have some kind of an other plan where maybe they don't care if they win big this year. Right. I mean, maybe they're thinking let's look to next year's draft and see uh, if there's anything that we can do there or next year's free agent quarterback class. Uh, so, you know, maybe they don't think that Baker Mayfield is enough of an upgrade for them over Sam Darnold. I think he is. I think Baker Mayfield is a sufficient upgrade over Sam Darnold and that it would be a good move for them to make if they can work out the financials. And again, if you throw in enough of a draft pick, then you can get the Browns to pay more for it. They will pay a premium for a decent draft pick. Now, the Panthers, like the Browns, have traded away a lot of their draft picks lately. And so they don't have a lot to offer. I don't know what they even have next year. I, I haven't looked at their next two drafts, but they're kind of in the same boat in terms of trading away picks. And uh, so I'm not sure what they have to offer, but the higher the pick, the less they will have to pay of Baker Mayfield's salary. All right, Joel uh, in Sacramento, California, has a question. Uh, he remembers an offer that you made uh, regarding the Browns and, and working things through. So uh, Joel in Sacramento, California asks, hey, Mary Kay. Actually, he's another dear Mary Kay person. I don't think this is the same person. So this is like a whole separate a whole separate thing. It's like we've got the Hey Mary Kay and then we've got like the Dear Abby, Dear Mary Kay version. Uh, so Dear Mary Kay, is your house still available if Baker, Kevin, and Andrew want to sit down and work through their grievances? Yes, absolutely. And for anybody watching on video, you can see behind me here that these two rooms at least are relatively, relatively clean right now. <laughs> so I wouldn't have to do too much uh, to, you know, to host them in here. I can build a little fire in there. You guys have seen my fire. Uh, that I always like to ha have in my living room. So yes, I would, uh, I would be more than happy to do that. Centrally located home, not too far from <laughs> Kevin Stefanski's house. As a matter of fact, we live in the same city, um, although not, you know, not the same exact area of the city, let's shall we say. Um, but uh, yeah, so not too far. Kevin could actually walk here from his house. It would take him roughly... I'm going to say maybe 10, 12 minutes. Yeah, maybe about 12, 12, 13 minutes from his house to here. 
Perfect. So, yeah. So, yes, let's do it. Let's get this done. See, and we, we can actually, we can stream it live. Yes. We can, we can actually have it happen, like, right here on the podcast. They can just sit down and work everything out and, you know, we'll cut anything that needs to be cut. We'll be nice about that, but it, it would be great. It's great content. That's what we're Absolutely. all after. Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Let's shift gears. Uh, another one of those weird things that you're never really sure, um, like, oh, is this something we're going to be talking about in the middle of June? But here we are. So uh, some folks wanted to ask about this. There were reports over the weekend that the Haslams are beginning to potentially look at sites for a new stadium. And we had a story about it as well, based off of those reports uh, in the neighborhood of a kind of a billion dollars. There's a lot of moving parts here when it comes to how much public funding there would be. We're probably a ways away from this actually happening. Um, the Browns actually said that, uh, you know, th this reporting is kind of too far out in front of what's actually happening. But I want to ask you this, Mary Kay. If the Browns did decide they were going to do a new stadium instead of renovate First Energy Stadium. Mm -hmm. So, hey, Mary Kay, do the Browns have to have an indoor stadium this time? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. Yes you have to have at least the opportunity to open and close a roof like they have in Indianapolis. In this climate, you need to do that. Uh, it would give you an opportunity to have a Super Bowl in Cleveland, multiple Super Bowls in Cleveland. It would enable you to use the facility for so many other things. Uh, so I would be 100% in favor. I mean, this is uh, you know, this is a new era. People want to be in comfort when they watch a game. Not everybody wants to go sit outside when it's, you know, 10 degrees in December and watch a football game. So I would, I would 100% be all about that. Now, having said that, we asked the Haslam's about this at the owners meetings in March, and they were all about renovation. At that time, it did not make sense. A new stadium was not in the cards. It was not on the radar. But they, at that time, perhaps they just weren't ready to talk about it, reveal it, whatever the case may be. But if you're going to continue to sink a bunch of money into First Energy Stadium and you have as much money as the Haslam's have, uh, yeah, why not talk about something new? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm as, you know, I love the idea of snow football and the weather. And, you know, we talk about it all the time on here, right? When we talk about the kicking game and Cade York and the dog pound end of the stadium. But I mean, the reality is, especially if you're going to be asking for public money, and that's a whole other topic, but that's probably a podcast on its own. If you're going to be asking for public money, you've got to have a stadium that can actually be used more than just you know, for your home football games and a couple of concerts in the summer. It's got to be, and, you know, you mentioned Indianapolis. If you're Cleveland, that's who you're competing with when you're getting going for Super Bowls and Final Fours and big conventions and maybe one day the Combine. So, and, you know, with an outdoor stadium and kind of a spread out downtown, they can't really compete with a city like Indianapolis. So you'd almost have to have some sort of retractable roof at least. Yeah, and in the the large discussions that are going on right now between or among the the city, the county, the state, business leaders, the Browns, uh, you know, Burke Lakefront Airport and the whole lakefront development and everything that you're talking about down there, uh, why wouldn't you at least 
kick around the notion of a new stadium, a dome stadium, or a, a stadium where you can close the roof. Um, I mean, it, it would have to come up. I mean, as long as you're, again, as long as you're spending all kinds of money to renovate, uh, you know, why not go all the way? I mean, we know that uh, Jimmy likes to go big or go home, right? I mean, wouldn't he love to have, uh, you know, Jerry's world or something like that? I mean, couldn't you just see uh, them doing something like that? So, um, so yeah, I would, I would think that it is something that has at least been discussed. But again, when we asked point blank in March, it was it was not really something on the front burner burner or on the radar. These, these things have changed so much too. I think in some people's minds, they think of like they they hear a dome and they think like the Astrodome, or they mm-hmm. think like uh, what what they had in in Minnesota for a long time. I mean, we've been over the last few years to Dallas, uh, we've been to L.A., we've been to Minnesota. Um, we've been to these new indoor stadiums or retractable roof stadiums. I mean, even even Lucas Oil Stadium feels a little outdated right. compared to those. And that, that stadium's not that old. So, uh, I mean, you know, Ford Field's another one that's a really nice indoor facility, but even that feels dated now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's different. It just looks different now. It's, it's not just some ugly domed structure in, in the middle of a parking lot. Um, the, these things are giant. They build, you know, kind of shopping around them. And actually, L.A. Stadium isn't even technically an indoor stadium. It's almost like a carport. It's got like a roof over top of it. It's almost like a carport. It's really bizarre, but that, like it's technically still an outdoor stadium. Now I, I forget. I mean, and when we were there, I'll tell you what, I loved that place. I mean, it the is SoFi. Yeah. Yes. SoFi is stunning and phenomenal. And I mean, could you imagine putting something like that in downtown Cleveland? I mean, that would be like right by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the concerts that you could do there and all the synergy that you could have. You want to talk about lakefront development? Um, again, some people think that this is uh, just sort of a pipe dream, but I don't know why it should be a pipe dream. I, I do kind of think that if you're going to dream, you should dream big like that. And of course, you'd be talking about a long-term project, but, uh, but by the time you would get to the point where that was done. I mean, your stadium is really going to be outdated. Even Mm -hmm. if you try, I mean, there's only so much you can do, right? So I think it'd be really cool. Once you set foot in a place like SoFi, you see the possibilities. You see how state-of-the-art and almost futuristic it looks. And some of these, you know, like in Atlanta, it looks like a spaceship on the outside, (laughs) right? So, you know, some of these things are just, absolutely spectacular now with sofi i forget can you close that completely or not no i think it's just so it's funny it's like built into the ground because it's by the airport so they had to like dig it into the ground um so you actually enter like you actually enter in the middle and then for the lower sections you have to go down but then the roof is just sort of over the top of it and i don't think they can close it but it's also in la so they don't really have to worry about weather there they just That's have to worry true. about keeping everybody dry. But yeah, it is. It's almost like a, it's like a carport almost. But the other thing too is in Dallas, it's like this. In Minnesota, it's like this. Uh, I don't think India is like this, but some of these newer stadiums, actually you open the windows. So in Dallas, they have an end of the stadium where they can just open the windows when it's warm out. Um, they, and when we were in Minnesota this year, I think they had the windows open. So you feel, you know, at least when it's nice out and it's not, 10 degrees they can open the windows and you you kind of feel like you're outdoors a little bit still 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would be all for it. If I, if I were the Haslam's, if I were the city, uh, if I were the new mayor, new mayor bib, I would be pushing for a shiny new facility. I don't know if you could do it on the lakefront where it is right now, but maybe somehow you do something with in, in conjunction with Burke Lakefront. I, I don't know what has been under discussion, truly. Um, and I've heard people say that, that this is not realistic at this time, but that's what I would be aiming for. Yeah. And then look, the whole funding issue is that's, that's a different topic. That's a whole, like I said, that's a whole nother. We'll leave that for uh, whatever our, our, I forget what our news podcast is called, but we'll leave it for them to discuss the, the funding side of it. We're just talking about the football and how cool it all looks. That's, that's what we do. <laughs> and you know what? And I've been to cold weather Super Bowls. And if the city can handle it, do it right, they're not bad. I mean, actually, one of my favorite Super Bowls, but they, they lucked out on the weather that, that January was in Indianapolis. It was, but you know how Indianapolis is just so set up for walking, you know, indoors through uh, skywalks and all those kinds of things. Cleveland needs to get its act together in that regard. There would have to be just, things would have to be better connected and but they should be. I mean, if you can, we have a, we live on a lake. <laughs> we live on a lake. Let's use it. Let's embrace it. Let's enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, today in Ohio, that's the podcast. Give them, <laughs> give them their <laughs> oh, credit. Okay. They, they can discuss the, the funding side, but yeah, I mean, look, listen, this weekend, I, you know, I live in, in some, some, a spot that's near the Cuyahoga river. Um, they, you know, went and walked around by the river, you know, had you could people go tubing on it all the time and stuff. So Cleveland obviously has that going for it. They've got the lake, like get that water going. Yes. <laughs> we've absolutely. we've both been to Baltimore. Like right. for, for mean, all the problems they have, the harbor is stunning. It's phenomenal. And I mean, look at Chicago. I mean, that, that's you know, that's a, a lake. You know, it's not like you have to have an ocean to be cool. You just need a good lake, and we have one. <laughs> so um so yeah, I, uh, I've long thought that we have completely wasted our lakefront. I think most people feel that way. We've completely wasted this long expanse of lakefront throughout the entire city. And if the Haslam's can be instrumental in flipping that script and, and putting this city on the map in terms of being a, a, even more of a destination that it, than it has been, uh, I think that would be tremendous. All right. That ends the city planning portion of our of our podcast here. Uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll get to some more football. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast as we get questions from our Football Insider subscribers and beyond. Uh, so Mary Kay, a question about Greedy Williams. This was a kind of random question. I'm glad somebody asked it. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, what would a second contract look like for Greedy Williams? Or will he just end up the odd man out? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, Greedy's health, I think, will be an issue. He has to come back this year and prove that he can stay healthy. Now, I did find out that the reason he's been out for the last week has nothing to do with his shoulder, uh, the one that kept him out all of 2019, I mean, 2020, and, um, and had him kind of up and down last year. Uh, this was an ankle sprain that 
has caused him to be out for the last week. So he's got to come back and he's got to stay healthy. Um, but I think that he would get a mid-level cornerback contract if he has a nice season this year, because good cornerbacks are hard to find. They drafted him. They like him when he's healthy. He's shown uh, that he can play well and that he can handle his side of the field and that he can cover really good receivers. So I think that uh, I, I think they would like to keep him if, if they can. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's that saying you never have enough corners, you know, it's going to be, it might depend on Martin Emerson and sort of where he's at by the end of the year. Uh, but we've seen it before where you kind of play the numbers game in your head and you're like, there's no way they could keep this guy around. But then, you know, two weeks later, they extend somebody for a year or two years and, and they just do a nice, like Ronnie Harrison is an example of that. Mm-hmm. It felt like, you know, okay, so Ronnie's a free agent. It was taking a while for him to find a place. The Browns don't really need him anymore. And then all of a sudden he's back on a one-year deal. So they'll find room for guys if they can help. Yeah. Right player, right price is really uh, the name of the game. So, um, you know, the fact that he worked so hard to come back from that shoulder injury uh, and, and really came back last year and, and played well in certain situations and helped mentor Greg Newsom And it's really good for the young guys has a great attitude. Uh, I think all signs would be there that they would try to keep him around. All right, let's go to this question, Zach from Talmadge. Uh, and this has to do with Kareem hunt and uh, him telling you that he wanted an extension um, that he'd like to stay here. So Zach says, Hey, Mary Kay with Kareem hunt, making it public that he wants to end his career here. Will the Browns try to accommodate that request? I would imagine Hunt would take a lower cost to stay with Nick Chubb. You know, I think he would too. I think that Kareem Hunt, he's home. This is where he wants to be. Uh, He knows that the Browns value him and understand him. This is where he's done all kinds of work uh, and, and, you know, whatever, counseling, whatever he's had to do to stay on the straight and narrow path when they brought him back into the league, when John Dorsey did, he's done it all here. He's got his support system. Uh, you know, this is where he would like to be. So I do think that he probably would take a little bit of a hometown discount to stay. Uh, the problem is I don't know that the Browns are going to offer him something until after the season. We'll find out, but, um, you know, if they let it go and they let him get to free agency, Of course, you know, then you find yourself in a Jarvis Landry situation where it starts to look like, you know, they, they let him walk and he gets a better offer or a different offer, or there starts to be a little bit of like, oh, I guess you guys didn't really want me. Maybe I should go find a new home. So, um, this is definitely one to watch. I was glad I had an opportunity to check in with Kareem after the final minicamp practice. And he was pretty open and candid. I have a pretty good relationship with, with Kareem just in terms of, you know, kind of talking things through. And uh, so he was pretty open with me about what he hopes will happen. And he said in no uncertain terms that he would like to finish his career here. I just don't know that the Browns are going to make him an offer before the season. I think there might be, unless they do a very incentive laden contract, like they have the last couple of years, I think there, there might be uh, sort of a, proclivity towards just kind of letting it play out. They've got the young running backs. Uh, they, they've got Jerome Ford. Now they still have, they have Dearness Johnson, who's also in the last year of his contract. They've got Demetrik Felton, who's a receiver right now, but, um, but they do have replacements for him and not necessarily a sense of urgency. If he can stay healthy this year, that will help a lot. Yeah. Turns 27 
on August 6th, um, really coming off the first year of his career where he's had injuries um, every other year where he's, he's missed games. It's been because of suspension um, or when Kansas city released him in 2018, but every other year he's played a full season. Uh, no, that's only two of his five years, but again, it was eight games missed due to suspension in 2019. And then the five games in Kansas city um, in 2018. And then last year it was injuries. So it, it just seems like, you know, it's great that he wants to to be here. It's great that he's sort of, has has righted himself here and understands kind of how good of a thing he has going but you know the browns can't really rush into anything they do sort of have to wait and see like was last year an aberration or has has that mileage even though he hasn't played a ton it it does add up quickly for running backs it really does especially the way he plays by the way yes absolutely he sacrifices his body on every play and leaves it out there um so That does have an enormous impact. But, you know, as you said, if you look over his whole entire career uh, since he came into the league in 2017, he it was 2017, I think, wasn't it? Yes. Um, In 2017, you know, he has, you know, chunks that he just was not out there taking that beating. So you would think that he has, you know, a little bit more longevity than a 27-year-old running back would. Uh, but we'll have to see about that because he was pretty banged up last year. He had the calf injury. And then when he tried to come back from that, he ended up with what could have been like a residual ankle injury. That kind of stuff happens a lot. Um, so now he'll have to, to prove to them that he can stay healthy. And if he can do that, then perhaps they do extend him or bring him back after next year. And, and maybe he would have played those last two games last year. If they, mm-hmm. if they would have meant something, because obviously they got eliminated before that Monday night game in Pittsburgh. And he was questionable for that game. If I remember right, he was right. thinking about giving it a go. And then of course the Cincinnati game was completely meaningless too. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a chance he might've been back on the field for those two games and then potentially playoff games. If those two games had mattered and the Browns had made the playoffs. Yes, you're exactly right about that. Um, but, you know, what, why risk anything more when he was pushing it as it was? So um, that was probably the right decision, may have helped him get ready for this season. And, uh, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, he's, he's determined. He wasn't used to missing, like you said, he wasn't used to missing games because of injury. And uh, he really wants to put that in the rearview mirror and get back to what he can do. And I'm very interested to see how they use him this year. He was lining up a lot in the slot and um, a lot of two back looks without a fullback. It was two halfbacks that they were using a lot. This, uh, this mini camp, I'm going to write a little bit more about that this week. Um, when, when I kind of take a look back at the off season program, but based on what we saw, it seems like they want to do some different things with this running back position. And it, it's all, they're almost the new tight ends for, for this team. Like we're not going to see that 13 personnel, but, they can create some mismatches with Kareem and Dearnest and, you know, however you categorize Demetric Feltman, Jerome Ford. And then of course you've got Nick Chubb as just your battering ram who has that ability to lead the league in rushing. I've never felt like they've used Kareem Hunt enough. And Same I here. Think, <laughs> right. I mean, I feel like he's so versatile uh, and there's so many different things that he can do. He can play so many different positions uh, and, and he can't, I mean, he can play fullback. He can play tight end. He can play H back. He can play slot receiver. He can play running back. I mean, he can do all of those things. Uh, and he catches the ball incredibly well out of the backfield. They've never used him enough 
in that regard. Maybe they'll do that more if Deshaun Watson gets on the field this year. Maybe there will be more opportunities in the passing game that way. But it, do, it does seem like they're at least open to the possibility of using Nick and Kareem on the field a little bit more this year. Kareem seems to think so. We'll see. It never really happens, uh, but maybe this will be the year. And it's just, I, I think about a defensive coordinator, like it causes so many problems when Kareem is out there. So it, like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt come on the field as a defensive coordinator thinking, you know, oh, this is 21 or this is 22 or whatever. So we're going to have three linebackers or we're, you know, we're going to be in our base, but you almost can't do that with Kareem. You've got to have like an extra safety if he splits out into the slot or there, there's just, it causes problems for how a defensive coordinator's brain might work as far as the package he has to have out there. If there's two running backs, like he's, he's got to think for a second longer, like, no, I want an extra safety. And, and I think about that Monday night Baltimore game where Kareem Hunt just had a huge game, just beating up on Baltimore's linebackers. Yeah. He is so physical. He is so tough. And then the other thing I think about him that, uh, that maybe we don't even talk about enough is just the fact that he is sort of the inspirational leader out there. Uh, he keeps guys really fired up and pumped up. He's loud. He's vocal. We've heard him mic'd up. He's funny. Uh, he's good for Nick Chubb in that regard. Uh, but without Jarvis, it's almost like you need that contagious guy. You know what I mean? You need uh, somebody on that side of the ball that is going to be sort of a fiery leader. And Amari Cooper certainly isn't that. He is uh, he is a, a great receiver, but he's not a loud vocal guy. And so again, in the absence of Jarvis Landry, who would that guy be? Deshaun Watson has great leadership ability and skills and guys will follow him. But, you know, I don't know if he's like super vocal, you know, kind of yelling, getting, getting guys fired up, uh, you know, walking up and down the, the bench and doing whatever it takes. But I mean, when you look at big games, playoff games, uh, Kareem is going to run through the wall for you and give you everything he has. He wants to win a Super Bowl for the Cleveland Browns. So if, if I were them, I would find a way to structure a contract uh, to make everybody happy. I would try to do it before the season um, just to kind of make sure that you're going to get the best out of him. And you could put a bunch of different incentives again, again in the contract like they did the past two years. I think he would be up for that. I think it would motivate him. So I would go ahead and do it. And the other thing, like it's so rare to have this situation where a guy as talented as Kareem Hunt is just happy to be the number two guy. He's, he's like, he's, he's not complaining. He's not, you know, obviously he said he wants an extension, but that's different than him, you know, holding out and demanding money or something. I mean, he just, he just wants that security. And like, you don't get this situation very often. I, I can't imagine we'll see many situations again where a guy was a former rushing champ and he's perfectly content being the number two guy and not, not getting, not being the highest paid guy in that room and not getting 20 carries a game. I think he understands uh, that he was in a unique situation uh, coming off of what happened in Kansas city. And with the video out there, I think he, he realized that, you know, that he had with a team that was going to understand him and be willing to structure a contract that uh, had some team protection built into it, yet plenty of incentives for the player to make extra money himself. So it was a win-win for the two of them. Um, so, you know, I think for the most part, he's really done everything that they could have asked of him on and off the field. And I think he probably recognizes not 
every team is going to have that sort of sense of loyalty to him the way that the Browns have uh, for, for what he's, how he's been able to turn himself around, become a productive member of the community and all those kinds of things. Okay, there we go. Uh, that'll do it for our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Those questions came from our football insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. And of course, make sure you rate, subscribe, and review the Orange and Brown Talk podcast wherever you listen uh, to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. <laughs>